0: The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, December 13th, 2021.
1: The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life she can rest so easily. She does everything you do. Because the woman in your life
2: is you. Hello everybody and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer and co producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Boy, we had 1.5. What was it, 1.58 inches of rain here in Sonoma County. So that's that's room to celebrate, and we're going to have be having much, much more rain, and I'm really happy to hear about that. Well, I have two special guests uh, with me today. Joining me on the phone will be Mary Moore, who is a longtime activist in our community. I met Mary many years ago when she organized the Bohemian Grove protest here in Sonoma County. I uh, will be talking about her life as an activist and the writing of her biography with uh, Lois Perlman. Uh, also joining me in the studio, and I'm looking at her right across the right across the desk. Here is Lois Perlman, who's also an activist in her own right, and is the co-founder and member of the North Coast Coalition for Palestine. And we'll be talking about her involvement in writing Mary's biography and the challenges she, the challenges that she is encountering with this uh, this project that she's taken on. Mary's a very interesting person, and I'm sure you're having a lot of fun with it, Lois. Well, you know as I've been doing the last two months, I've been trying to uh, remind people that our history is our strength. Why is it important to know our history? Because first of all, we have to know what we've accomplished, how we've accomplished, where we got the courage, where we got the strength, and also how it's playing out in everyday life. You know, do we need to improve something? Did we learn a lesson? You know, I'm thinking about what happened in uh, Kentucky. I mean, I am just stunned you know, and I think that there were something like um, 20 tornadoes that hit that area. And one tornado, which was the size of a football field, uh, traveled 225 miles and destroyed town after town after town. Actually, the town of Mayfield was totally totally wiped out in Kentucky you know the the interesting part about this though is is I wonder how their representative Mitch McConnell is going to handle this you know I mean when you think about it this has to do with global warming and I'm not going to go into that because I'm not a scientist you, you heard plenty on uh, uh, the show before me Amy Goodman talking about what's happening in the atmosphere what's creating the intensity of these tornadoes but what's so stunning to me and that's why our history is our strength. What our history tells us is for decades, decades, clients, uh, excuse me, scientists have been warning us about this. 350, Bill McKibbins, he's been on Amy Goodman's show at least four or five times a year talking about what is going on in the atmosphere and what's happening? Nothing. You know, it's like we're debating fetuses when the half of our cities are being destroyed. You know, I mean, it just does not make any sense to me and you know if it makes any sense to you <laughs> please email me at elaine at com and let me know what your thoughts are you know i don't know maybe i'm a little bit off the wall maybe i don't quite understand or maybe it all this is okay with you and if it is i'd really like to find out uh what makes it okay because it's not okay with me you know, as I've talked about many times, I've become a great grandmother, and it's it's a very interesting place to be. I look and I think four generations. You know, I mean, you just have to wake up, folks. We got to wake up, especially women. We have to stand up for the future of our children. I mean, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday when uh, Diane Feinstein, our uh, congresswoman here in in uh, California, I remember when she met with these young activists. I believe they were part of the Sunrise Group. And they got all of she got all upset with them. She says, "Don't tell me what to do. I know what's going on, you know, when they're trying to talk about the green new deal." Well, I asked Diane right now, "Tell me, Diane, what about Kentucky? You know, how are you going to work it out with Mitch McConnell to take care of all those people when we've been warned for decades? It looks like these young people really know what they're talking about." Well, that's enough of my rant for this morning, but I am really touched, and my heart goes out to all these people. In that area, I mean, five states were affected. Can you imagine a tornado traveling 225 miles? You know, they had these guys, they called them storm catchers. And I watched one of their films, and it just blew me away. I'll tell you, it's just amazing. Well, back well, back to uh, history is our strength. And to talk about, you know, we have lots of rights, you know, as women. But what we have to recognize is prior to 1970, we hardly had any rights. And that's what we've been talking about the past four or five shows, about <coughs> how much women have gained and that we have to be very careful that we don't, that we don't lose it. Well, you know, it's really interesting. You know, <laughs> before 1970, there was no such thing as women's studies. I mean, there was no such thing as women's history. I don't know if people remember, but the the, uh, history, the National Women's History Project, now called the National Women's History Alliance, was started right here in Sonoma County through a class at Sonoma State. I was part of that class, and I remember walking with the founder, uh, Molly McGregor. And she was telling me that, did you know, Elaine, that there are women in art? I said, really? Women artists? I, I had no idea there were women artists. I mean, go figure that one. So they started women's studies. One of the first, one of the first classes was here in Sonoma County. So I want to read this. Well, it really wasn't until 1956 uh, uh, when they actually started women's studies, but it did not take off until 1977 which is really, really interesting. So even when we were at Sonoma State, I was in Sonoma State from 1973 to 1975, and women's studies was at its height. And let me tell you something, it was the most exciting time in my life. And I actually was very blessed because they actually asked me. I was the main speaker at my graduation in 1975, which was historic because there was never a woman student that ever spoke at a graduation. In fact, uh, Dr. Marjorie Downing-Wagner was our president at that time, the first woman. The first woman to be a president of the UC system and she said no she says students students need to take the floor and we voted people voted we voted on the speaker we voted on the valedictorian we voted on all these things and I had the honor of doing that but prior to 1970s Women did not have these opportunities. You know, I remember when I was going to school in kindergarten, it was so interesting on my report card. It said, Elaine should understand that children should be seen and not heard. You know, there I was doing the presentation. I, I was looking out at the audience and I thought, my goodness, thank God for women's studies. Thank God for these women coming together and giving us a voice, giving us some strength. And, you know, we're at the point right now where if women, <clears throat> if women do not stand up, Do not stand up for choice. Do not stand up to make sure that abortions remain legal. We're going to lose a lot of these rights. You know, and it's very, very important that we pay attention as women. It really is. It's extremely important. And usually we're the last ones, you know. Hey, you know, women, I I look at the, they're talking about Medicare for all, or they talk about education, or they talk about food stamps. You know, debate, 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 debate. But when it comes to the war budget... All they do is raise their hand. Yeah, another billion, another billion, you know, fine, but not for our children, not for the future. So it's really something to think about. And to praise women that we did stand up, that we got the vote in 1920 after we were almost killed. We were waterboarded, you know, had to go to jail. Why? Because we wanted equal rights. And we still don't have an equal rights amendment. I mean, for God's sakes, it's really, really interesting. Well, also, women could not get any type of job. You know, right now, we have the the privilege of seeing all kinds of women newscasters. We have women executives. We have women, I mean, we even have in our own Federal Reserve, we have a woman who's at the helm running that department. So women have come a long way, but at one time, that was not possible. In fact... On a personal level, my mother told me I was her most beautiful daughter. So, you know what that meant? That meant I had to marry well. And if I didn't get married, I either had to be a secretary or a teacher. That was it. No executives, no running companies, no having your own company, no entrepreneurs. I mean, women could not even get a loan, let alone start a business let alone try to get a job or, you know, try to get a man's job. And also, even today, there's still imbalance. There's still men are making more money than women. And it's interesting. I was watching a film, and there, in the film, I, I can't remember the name right now, but she was asking her employee for a raise. And he says, no. He says, she said, but uh, why are the men getting this right? And why am I getting this rate? Right? And he says to her, he says, well, the men have families. She says, I'm a single mother. Back then, so what? This is your salary. See you later. Here, at least women have more opportunity to negotiate, to have a voice at the table. So it's very, very, very important that we remember these things. Now, this is the last thing I'm going to talk about, and this just blew me away. I mean, last week we talked about, you know, (laughs) women couldn't get – they had no women's sneakers. You know, this week, I'm telling you, you could not divorce your husband because of domestic violence. And I'm going to read this to you because I found this to be very, very interesting. And, you know, when we think about it, you know, we we ha- I have to laugh. I say, really? This was really on the books? This is really what women had to put up with? very, very interesting. Okay, let me turn this page here. Okay. Before 1970s, getting divorced was difficult. Females had to prove that their husband had wronged them to obtain a a divorce. However, proof didn't mean that women would be able to get a divorce successfully. Some of the reasons, such as adultery, became acceptable. Now, I remember... When I got my divorce, that's kind of what I had, to say. I had to accuse my husband of that. However, the other reasons were not seen as acceptable, such as spousal abuse. So in other words, you could not get divorced if your husband was beating you. That's great, isn't it? Wives couldn't officially protect themselves from uh, domestic violence until the late 1990s. I mean, it's amazing when you think about it. However, starting in the 1970s, it became acceptable for a woman to ask for a divorce because of domestic violence. Very interesting. So you see, we have come a long way. But little by little, they're taking it away from us. And we have to be extremely careful. Well it's really interesting.
0: The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, December 13th, 2021.
1: The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life she can rest so easily she knows everything you because the woman in your
2: life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Boy, we had 1.5. What was it? 1.58 inches of rain here in Sonoma County. So that's that's room to celebrate, and we're going to have be having much much more rain. And I'm really happy to hear about that. Well, I have two special guests uh, with me today. Joining me on the phone will be Mary Moore, who is a longtime activist in our community. I met Mary many years ago when she organized the Bohemian Grove protest here in Sonoma County. I uh, will be talking about her life as an activist and the writing of her biography with uh, Lois Perlman. Uh, also joining me in the studio and I'm looking her right across the right across the desk here is Lois Perlman, who's also an activist in her own right and is the co-founder and member of the North Coast Coalition for Palestine and we'll be talking about her involvement in writing Mary's biography and the challenges she the challenges that she is encountering with this uh, this project that she's taken on Mary's a very interesting person and I'm sure you're having a lot of fun with it Lois well you know as I I've been doing the last two months, I've been trying to uh, remind people that our history is our strength. Why is it important to know our history? Because first of all, we have to know what we've accomplished, how we've accomplished, where we got the courage, where we got the strength, and also how it's playing out in everyday life. You know, do we need to improve something? Did we learn a lesson? You know, I'm thinking about what happened in uh, Kentucky. I mean, I am just stunned you know, and I think that there were something like um, 20 tornadoes that hit that area. And one tornado, which was the size of a football field, uh, traveled 225 miles and destroyed town after town after town. Actually, the town of Mayfield was totally totally wiped out in Kentucky you know the the interesting part about this though is is I wonder how their representative Mitch McConnell is going to handle this you know I mean when you think about it this has to do with global warming and I'm not going to go into that because I'm not a scientist you, you heard plenty on uh, uh, the show before me Amy Goodman talking about what's happening in the atmosphere what's creating the intensity of these tornadoes but what's so stunning to me and that's why our history is our strength. What our history tells us is for decades, decades, clients, uh, excuse me, scientists have been warning us about this. 350, Bill McKibbins, he's been on Amy Goodman's show at least four or five times a year talking about what is going on in the atmosphere and what's happening? Nothing. You know, it's like we're debating fetuses when the half of our cities are being destroyed. You know, I mean, it just does not make any sense to me and you know if it makes any sense to you (laughs) please email me at elaine at womenspaces.com and let me know what your thoughts are you know i don't know maybe i'm a little bit off the wall maybe i don't quite understand or maybe it all this is okay with you and if it is i'd really like to find out uh what makes it okay because it's not okay with me you know, as I've talked about many times, I've become a great-grandmother, and it's it's a very interesting place to be. I look, and I think, four generations. You know, I mean, you just have to wake up, folks. we got to wake up, especially women. We have to stand up for the future of our children. I mean I remember I remember like it was yesterday when uh, Diane Feinstein our uh, Congresswoman here in, in uh, California I remember when she met with these young activists I believe they were part of the Sunrise Group and they got all of, she got all upset with them she says don't tell me what to do I know what's going on you know when they're trying to talk about the green new deal well I asked Diane right now tell me Diane what about Kentucky You know, how are you going to work it out with Ms. McConnell to take care of all those people when we've been warned for decades? It looks like these young people really know what they're talking about. Well, that's enough of my rant for this morning, but I am really touched, and my heart goes out to all these people in that area. I mean, five states were affected. Can you imagine? A tornado traveling two hundred and twenty five miles. You know, they have these guys they called them storm catchers and I watched one of their films and it just blew me away. I'll tell you it's just amazing. Well back well back to our uh, history is our strength and to talk about, you know, we have lots of rights, you know, as women. But what we have to recognize is prior to nineteen seventy we hardly had any rights. And that's what we've been talking about the past. Four or five shows about <laughs> how much women have gained, and that we have to be very careful that we don't that we don't lose it. Well, you know, it's really interesting. You know, <laughs> before nineteen seventy, there was no such thing as women's studies. I mean, there was no such thing as women's history. I don't know if people remi- remember, but the the uh, history, the National Women's History Project, now called the National Women's History Alliance, was started right here in Sonoma County. Through a class at Sonoma State, I was part of that class, and I remember walking with the founder, uh, Molly McGregor, and she was telling me that, did you know, Elaine, that there are women in art? I said, really? Women artists? I, I had no idea there were women artists. I mean, go figure that one. So they started women's studies. One of the first, one of the first classes was here in Sonoma County. So I want to read this. Well, it really wasn't until 1956 uh, uh, when they actually started women's studies, but it did not take off until 1977 which is really, really interesting. So even when we were at Sonoma State, I was in Sonoma State from 1973 to 1975, and women's studies was at its height. And let me tell you something, it was the most exciting time in my life. And I actually was very blessed because they actually asked me. I was the main speaker at my graduation in 1975, which was historic because there was never a woman student that ever spoke at a graduation. In fact, uh, Dr. Marjorie Downing-Wagner was our president at that time, the first woman the first woman to be a president of the UC system, and she said no, she says, students, students need to take the floor and we voted, people voted we voted on the speaker, we voted on the valedictorian, we voted on all these things and I had the honor of doing that, but prior to 1970s Women did not have these opportunities. You know, I remember when I was going to school in kindergarten, it was so interesting on my report card. It said, Elaine should understand that children should be seen and not heard. You know, there I was doing the presentation. I, I was looking out at the audience, and I thought, my goodness, thank God for women's studies. Thank God for these women coming together and giving us a voice, giving us some strength. And, you know, we're at the point right now where if women, <clears throat> if women do not stand up, Do not stand up for choice. Do not stand up to make sure that abortions remain legal. We're going to lose a lot of these rights. You know, and it's very, very important that we pay attention as women. It really is. It's extremely important. And usually we're the last ones, you know, hey, you know, women, I I look at the, they're talking about Medicare for all, or they talk about education, or they talk about food stamps, you know, debate, 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 debate. But when it comes to the war budget, all they do is raise their hand. Yeah, another billion, another billion, you know, fine, but not for... Our children, not for the future. So it's really something to think about. And to praise women that we did stand up, that we got the vote in 1920 after we were almost killed. We were waterboarded, you know, had to go to jail. Why? Because we wanted equal rights. And we still don't have an equal rights amendment. I mean, for God's sakes, it's really, really interesting. Well, also, women could not get any type of job. You know, right now, we have the we have the privilege of seeing all kinds of women newscasters. We have women executives. We have women, I mean, we even have in our own Federal Reserve, we have a woman who's at the helm running that department. So women have come a long way. But at one time, that was not possible. In fact, On a personal level, my mother told me I was her most beautiful daughter. So you know what that meant? That meant I had to marry well. And if I didn't get married, I either had to be a secretary or a teacher. That was it. No executives, no running companies, no having your own company, no entrepreneurs. I mean, women could not even get a loan, let alone start a business let alone try to get a job or, you know, try to get a man's job. And also, even today, there's still imbalance. There's still men are making more money than women. And it's interesting. I was watching a film, and there, in the film, I, I can't remember the name right now, but she was asking her employee for a raise. And he says, no. He says, She said, but uh, why are the men getting this right? And why am I getting this rate? Right? And he says to her, he says, well, the men have families. She says, I'm a single mother. Back then, so what? This is your salary. See you later. Here, at least women have more opportunity to negotiate, to have a voice at the table. So it's very, very, very important that we remember these things. Now, this is the last thing I'm going to talk about, and this just blew me away. I mean, last week we talked about, you know, women couldn't get – they had no women's sneakers. You know, this week, I'm telling you, you could not divorce your husband because of domestic violence. And I'm going to read this to you because I found this to be very, very interesting. And, you know, when we think about it, you know, we we ha- I have to laugh. I say, really? This was really on the books? This is really what women had to put up with? very, very interesting. Okay, let me turn this page here. Okay. Before 1970s, getting divorced was difficult. Females had to prove that their husband had wronged them to obtain a a divorce. However, proof didn't mean that women would be able to get a divorce successfully. Some of the reasons, such as adultery, became acceptable. Now, I remember... When I got my divorce, that's kind of what I had to—I had to accuse my husband of that. However, the other reasons were not seen as acceptable, such as spousal abuse. So, in other words, you could not get divorced if your husband was beating you. That's great, isn't it? Wives couldn't officially protect themselves from uh, domestic violence until the late 1990s. I mean it's amazing when you think about it. However, starting in the 1970s, it became acceptable for a woman to ask for a divorce because of domestic violence. Very interesting. So you see we have come a long way. But little by little they're taking it away from us and we have to be extremely careful. Well, it's really interesting too that another important date that I thought was worth listening to as far as our our uh, our history goes it was as on December 10th 1869 Wyoming is the first territory to give women the right to vote. And what's so interesting when you do the history is, why did Wyoming give women the right to vote? Well, what ended up happening is, is because the state was developing, they needed to have women, you know, to marry, of course to breed, right? Where else do the children come from? I mean, I think people forget that. And so what happened was, is they were recruiting a lot of women and the conditions that they were saying is that, that we want to have a voice in the town, in the state. So I thought that was very interesting. Also, what I found was interesting is on December tenth, 1938, Pearl Buck received the Nobel Prize for Literature for the Good Earth. I really recommend my listeners to watch The Good Earth. It is an amazing picture and it's also an amazing historical picture because you can see exactly exactly how women were treated, what was expected of them. You know, we have birthing centers now. You know, we have all kinds of books that are written about how to take care of your child, how to give birth, how to do this, how to do that. It's amazing. In the good earth, what I found was stunning was, is the woman, she's it's a fixed marriage. You know, it's a, you know, father went out and bought a wife for his son. That's how it's, it's, it is in the story. And um, what happens is, is she gets pregnant and she's working in the rice fields. All of a sudden she goes into labor. She goes to another part of the rice fields, squats down, has the baby, wraps it in a blanket, puts it on her shoulder and goes back to work in the rice fields. Feeds the baby in between. The baby's crying. She unwraps it, feeds it, but continues to work with her husband. You know, we've gained a lot as women, and we need to look at that very, very seriously. Well, that's a lot to think about, but that's what women's basis is all about. Let's start thinking, and let's start appreciating ourselves more as women. We are the ones who bring forth life. We bring for in our bodies we hold the mystery of life we need to be heard we need to be heard for our children and for their future okay well we 're going to take a musical break and I found a great st- a great song by Earth Mama I love this and it- I want to dedicate this to Mary Moore who 's going to be coming on after the uh, after the musical break it 's called her story and it 's sung by earth mama and when I come back, I will be joined by two special guests joining me on the phone will be Mary Moore and in the studio with me is Lois Perlman both women. Are two women I personally am, am admire and are longtime activists here in Sonoma County will be talking about their activism, and Mary Moore is now writing her biography and this at this point, and it's called Unfit Mother. And I can't wait to have them define what that means, why do they choose this this title, I mean, it's a very, I, I look at it and think, Unfit Mother, boy, this, this is going to be some story. Uh, Lois is helping Mary, author her story. Uh, Lois weighs many hats, and that is that she's a writer and actor. And uh, First heard about her when I found out about the North Coast Coalition for Palestine, and hope we can talk a little bit about that program. So let's go ahead, Ken, let's play her story, and then let's get Mary Moore on the phone. Okay.
0: We can't stop now We've come so far Can't be content Where we are Oh, we see the statue
2: Herstory, and that's what we're going to talk about, somebody's herstory. I'm so excited about that. For you folks just joining me in, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, the board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine Beholds. And for, without further ado, I want to introduce my special guest. Joining me on the phone is activist Mary Moore, and in the studio, uh, having some company who's really fun, is Lois Perlman. Welcome, ladies. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Are you there, Mary? We had a little glitch here. We're getting Mary Moore back on the phone. Uh, Let me tell folks just a little bit about you, and then we'll we'll talk when we get... Is she on the phone now? Mary, are you there? I can
3: barely hear you, Elaine. We've got a very bad connection, and I got caught off while I was waiting.
2: Okay, so can you hear me now? I can hear you, yes. Okay. Well, before we start... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're having a little excitement when we had a little glitch in the store. Uh, let me tell the folks just a little bit about you and Lois, and then we'll begin the interview. Mary Moore was born in San Luis Obispo in 1935. She's my elder. Mary Moore has been a social justice activist since 1962, focusing on issues are like racism, sexism, and classism. In the late 70s, she organized a statewide network to stop Diablo Canyon and Rancho Seco News. Nu- She co-founded the Bohemian Grove and Action Network in nineteen eighty to raise awareness of the elite and small network of men with outsized Influences that gather annually at Bohemian Grove in Sonoma County. That's when we first met Mary, by the way. In the late 1990s, there was a spate of police killings here in Sonoma County. Mary, along with many others, did a lot of local organizing, which led to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights to hold hearings in Sonoma County. And I'm, I have to say that's one of the most valuable, valuable reports that I have read in a long time. At And there was a presentation on the local deaths which attracted national attention. And she's also one of the co-founders of Sonoma County Free Press and was also a radio host here at uh, KBBF. So welcome. Anything you'd like to add, Mary?
3: Well, I I was listening to your introduction. I hope you can hear me okay. I can hear you Uh, fine. Yes, I was listening to your introduction, and I did want to let you know that when I first moved up here, With my um, ex-husband, I was not allowed to teach at uh, Sonoma State, and I got a job at the Santa Rosa Junior College teaching women in transition.
2: Oh, another little piece of her, her story. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> so let me tell just a little bit about Lois. Welcome, Lois. I'm glad Thank to you. Have you. Here, Lois Perlman is a theater artist and director and community activist and co-founder of the North Coast Coalition of, uh, for Palestine. You have, may have seen her perform at a number of local theaters. Hello. And she also directed several Hello. plays. You can't hear me, uh, Mary. I,
3: we're, I guess we're cut off again. I'm so sorry.
2: We can hear you, Mary. Hello. We, we can hear you. Okay, Lois Perlman. <laughs> what, was so, what was so wonderful? Okay, we're having let's. There, we got caught up again. So there must be some problem with her phone. So I'm going. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to switch. I'm going to have to switch gears. On might try to get her hold. just talk, talk to her.
3: Listen,
2: I'll bring it back Yeah, we're going to talk. Okay. <laughs> You know, folks, this is live radio, and it's really exciting when though, all these different things happen, and we just have to get our put our hats on and say, okay, we're moving forward. Okay, let me start over again talking about Lois Perlman. Lois Perlman is a theater artist, the, director, and the community the activist, and co-founder we, of North Coast Coalition we, for, for per- Palestine. Yeah. You may have seen her perform is at a number have, of have local theaters, and she also directed several plays, including My Name is Rachel... Corey. As an activist, she was part of the group that convinced people In Sacramento to shut down the Rancho Seco nuclear power nuclear power plant in the 1990s, she worked with ACT UP Sonoma County to provide public funding for HIV and AIDS services and to proclaim a county-wide Pride Day. I didn't know that you you were
4: involved in that.
2: That's amazing. Yeah,
4: yeah, I was. That was a long time ago.
2: Yeah, but just it just it's also your history. I mean, that's that's amazing. So welcome, and you're now working with Mary Moore writing
4: her a biography a little over a year now
2: yeah just so start, start how did you how did you get chosen to do this well
4: i was i i i don't know that i was chosen although maybe in the cosmos i was but um mary a, a woman named mary Bowenhall hall bowen hall um uh, back in the 1980s came to interview Mary about Bohemian Grove, and she was struck by Mary's story about how she became an activist. I'll let Mary tell that story. But at any rate, she, she wrote several uh, chapters of, about how Mary became an activist and what, what happened in her life that led her to that. And then un, sadly, unfortunately, Mary Bowen Hall died of cancer. So those chapters kind of sat there. And then Mary started working with Mary, Mary Moore started working with someone else to complete the book because now many years have passed and there's a lot more to Mary's story than there was back in the 80s. And that didn't exactly work out. So one day I called Mary. This was, you know, during the pandemic when I was home a lot. And I said, Hey, Mary, how about if I write the book with you?
2: Oh, that's amazing! So, Mary, are you on the phone now? Are you? On I am the... on the phone. Thank goodness. Well, let's start. Let's start. Let's talk a little bit about about you becoming an activist. What was the event or the situation that motivated you? I mean, all of a sudden, you got up and said, "No, I got to do something."
3: No, I, I, and that has a lot to do with the title. But first, I want to thank Lois for being there and with all this craziness with the phone. Uh,
2: So, you know, everything happens when women get together. Well, I'm telling you. (laughs) Well, anyway, the
3: title of Unfit Mother is because I lost my children in 1968. Um, As you mentioned, I started uh, my activism in 1962 in San Luis Obispo, forming a, a group called the Fair Play Council. It was the early civil rights movement. I had always been very sensitive to uh, racism because that coming up in the 50s, it, it was obvious to anybody paying attention. Um, and it was long before I discovered sexism or understood classism. Now I think all three of them go together. But anyway, I lost my children because to two ex-husbands who decided that um, they did not share my concern about racism. In fact, they were deeply entrenched in it. And uh, they asked questions in court like, have Negroes been in your home in the presence of your children? Have Negroes been in your home after nine o'clock at night? And um, all my friends said, they're not going to take away your kids. You're a good mom, blah, blah, blah. Well, they did in 1968. And I moved to Los Angeles at that point, and I didn't want to live around white folks anymore. So I pretty much immersed myself in the uh, black community and in activism. That's how I became an activist.
2: Well, you know, it, it sounds like you really, you really had to take life at its at its worst and move forward i mean my heart goes yeah. out to you my goodness as a as a mother myself i mean i just can't imagine the pain of having something that happen. it sounds like that was one of your your major uh challenges but what what gave you the what gave you the chupzver, the, the courage to speak out and to continue like you said you went you decided to move uh to uh involve yourself with different uh, different nationalities different races and get away from the caucasian race but what yeah. where did you where did you get that inner strength?
3: Well, I had help um, early on an uh, organizer named Tom Boyd, who was with CORE Congress on Racial Equality. Uh, he worked in, uh, across the state speaking out, and he had come to uh, one of our Fair Play Council um meetings and had spoken out and I got to know him and he was just a lovely man and all my white friends were saying you're not going to lose your kids and uh, he and some other black friends were saying watch out and they were right and he came up and got me um, and they took my daughter out of my, out of my arms. she was pretty emotional and so was I um, and anyway I moved down there and I helped in uh, Compton, California he was uh, one of the organizers of the Compton Community Project this is the late 60's and so I, I started a bluebird group that's the pre campfire for girls <laughs> I, And it, I mean it sounds so silly to me now with this different perspective I have <laughs> But I started a bluebird group in uh, Compton, California, in uh, around sixty-seven, sixty-eight, um, and I don't know. It, it is courage. You just keep going. And my daughter managed to get herself back to me a year later by standing up in the fifth grade and proclaiming that God was dead, which was never my issue. Um, but she figured out, and her father threw up his hands and called me and said I can't deal with her anymore and she came back to me and meanwhile I married a man named Fred Moore in an interracial marriage which was not that common back in those days and uh, she came and lived with us and she was incredible because she went to an all-black school a mostly black school in um, mid-los angeles And I lost her again in 2005 to cancer.
2: What, what a story, Mary. I mean, my heart goes out to you, and, and my head, I have to say, my goodness, hooray, the hooray that you were able to come forward. Would you like to add anything, Lois, anything, any thought that you have about what Mary just said?
4: Well, there was a lot of Mary's life between those two events, the first time she lost Diane and the second time. But, um, no, I think Mary told the story very well. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, I think we're going to take a little musical break here, Mary. And yes. There's a, a song that I want to play. It's called One Woman. It was the United Nations woman's song uh, in uh, 2013. And I'm, I just think this is just an amazing song. and It's amazing what woman, one woman could do. So let's go ahead and play that song, Ken. And then when we come back, we'll continue this very, very inspiring conversation. particular song was written for the United Nations in 2013, and we're talking about one woman who definitely made a difference. Welcome back. You are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm talking with Mary Moore, activist, and Lois Perlman, who's in the studio with me. Let's, let's learn a little bit about you, Lois. Is that okay, Mary? We're going to talk about oh, Lois. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> to talk about Lois. <laughs> Lois. Talk about how did you become an activist? What was that colonel that said you just... I know you're working with the coalition around Palestine and all the other things that you've done.
4: Well, you know... um one of my early – the earliest experience I had as an activist is very much connected to a lot of the work Mary has done, and it had to do with nuclear reactors. I was living in New York City. They were going to build a nuclear reactor on Long Island, and I joined a coalition, and we stopped it. They never built the thing. And so when I came out to California, and I met Mary at something called – um women and the environment it was a conference at at Cinema state university and she told me about the bohemian grove and i went to a, a bohemian grove event and then i got involved because uh with the um with the um sonomore atomics because Nuclear, nuclear reactors were the thing that I knew as an activist. And then eventually I got involved in lesbian gay politics. You mentioned ACT UP and um, we had a group called Forward Together, which did eventually end up with a Sonoma County Pride Week. And then, um, I vent, okay, so I've done a lot of theater though, and I had a child. Uh, um, my daughter Emma so that took a whole bunch of my time and then I came back Mary um, called it, it was uh, 2010 and it was uh, Israel had attacked something called the Gaza flotilla in international that. waters and so it was totally illegal to to attack a boat in international waters and they killed nine people on uh, the boat that had come from Turkey, uh, including an American citizen, and Mary started calling around. She called Therese Muganem, she called me, she called a few other people. She said, we have to do something. So we went and we talked with Lynn Woolsey's aide, and eventually we talked with Lynn Woolsey, who, yes, indeed confirmed that the um, American-Israeli Political Action Committee, also known as AIPAC, does have Congress in its pocket. And so, out of that came the North Coast Coalition for Palestine.
2: So that's another thing that Mary was involved with.
4: Mary was the instigator and then walked away.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, wait a
3: minute.
4: (laughs) No, I don't mean walked away like in a bad way. I mean, she said, okay, it's in your hands now.
3: Well, I, I, what it is, I made an agreement. I didn't have to go to meetings, but I still consider myself very involved. I like oh.
4: that. I like
2: that one. I don't want to go. I like that one, Mary. That's great. <laughs> well. You know, you're currently helping Mary write her life story. I mean, that's a pretty big thing. What, what, Mary, what is motivating? What, why do you believe it's important? And also, you can chime in, uh, Lois. Why do you think it's important that you write your biography? Well, to my knowledge,
3: and that I could be wrong, uh, I have never seen another book about a woman talking about, especially the fifties. I'm I I was born in thirty five, so I came up and and uh, graduated high school in fifty three. So I I lived the fifties, and they were not good to women or black folks Terrible. or poor folks for that matter. Um, but it's it, it just. The the title grabs people. A lot of people don't understand why I would do that. I I originally thought we would put quotes around unfit mother, but I've been talked out of that. <laughs> um, but it it it's a bit sarcastic. But I want to show that somebody who was considered by the establishment as a, a, an official unfit mother um, could make something of her life and i haven't seen any other story that's really like that so i would like to get that one out there
2: well you know as far as you're talking about the 50s i think you know myself i mean i was a teenager i mean think, that's about, right. think about it think about it think about i got i got a, uh, suspended for a week from school for wearing pedal pushers a, a black turtleneck <laughs> gold earrings and red lipstick yeah, you know, and my mother calls the school and says, "You did her a favor. She's having a good time." But it was just and the whole idea. Like somebody was telling me, I, I was telling this one woman, and I says, "You know, we have to be really careful as women. We don't want to lose our our rights. You know, you can yeah. get tattoos now. We couldn't get tattoos back then. We yeah. had a dress code. I mean, it was, and you know, you're supposed to <laughs> marry or become a teacher or a secretary. I mean, yeah. it was. Yeah. We didn't have any challenge. Well, what are some of the challenges that you're facing writing this? I mean. I imagine memories coming up and and looking back and thinking, well, what are some of the challenges and what are some of the challenges you
4: have? Well, the the marvelous thing is that Mary has kept extensive archives. I mean, every news story, everything that she wrote, every speech that she gave, I'm finding uh, news pieces that I wrote in her archives. (laughs) And so it's really, there's a wealth of information there. And I have interviewed mm, one dozen, two dozen people so far and still have more people to interview. So the challenges, of course, are integrating all of this. And I I will say that Mary's an excellent writer, and so I've been able to use a whole lot of what she wrote in the book... Um, describing, oh, describing her trips to South Africa, describing her her um, trip to China. And I just want to say one quick little thing. I spent three hours on Zoom with one of Mary's dearest people named Dimpo Sapporo. Oh, oh thank my you, God. Lois
3: for mentioning
4: Oh, her. my God. I learned so much can I, about can South I, Africa. Go can ahead, Can I Mary. add on to
3: that? Go ahead. Oh, Yeah. Um, I went to, well, first I went to China in 95 to the uh, Global Women's Conference where the women were going gaga over Hillary Clinton, Um, and and the reason I went was to show the slideshow that Kerry Richardson made years ago on Bohemian Grove and why we were protesting there, making all the points we wanted to make about these are the guys that are making a profit off of all the issues that we're protesting, And so I went there to show the slideshow, and I met an incredible woman named Andre McLaughlin who put on national black women's gatherings, uh, international, um, and from women all over the world. And her next one was going to be in South Africa in 98, and she invited me to bring the slideshow to that. So I had a little time to prepare. Little did I know I would meet... My future daughter, I consider her definitely my daughter. Her name is Nipo Sapporo. She was about 18 years old, and she came to see the slideshow because she was an activist in South Africa. And uh, an incredible young woman, as Lois said, and words can't explain. I won't try to explain, but she's so smart and so knowledgeable and and was born in, and raised in Soweto, so it's not like she had, you know, luxury colleges and all to learn from. She did all this on her own. And to this day, we stay in contact, and she's still my daughter. I brought her over here four or five times uh, to raise money for her uh, Ubuntu Ubuntu is the name of her the group she formed, which means humanity.
2: Oh my goodness! Um, what, well, you know, I, I I'm just listening about your travels. I mean, I met you. You know, I'd like to go over the Bohemian a little bit. I sure. remember, I remember the first time I met you. We went to a protest in the Bohemian Grove, and I'll never forget. We all marched into the Grove, and I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> I said, oh, my goodness, because I was thinking, what are these powerful men going to do to us? You know, I mean, how who, who's in there? So tell me, how how did you start this and why was this important in your life? And what were some of the challenges? I mean, my goodness, were you threatened? I mean, did people did oh. try to stop you or what went on with No, that? actually, their
3: archivist, uh, Al Baxter, contacted us, but that's a whole other story. We started it in 1980. In, in the late 70s I became very involved in the anti-nuke movement because remember I came from San Luis Obispo and here they were putting a, a Diablo Canyon in San Luis's backyard in Avila Beach. And so here they were going into my territory even though I had left my territory. <laughs> Um, and so I got very involved, and at the time I had reservations because I, it was a mostly white, middle-class movement, and I'm grateful to the movement for existing, but it, it was white, middle-class, as was much of the environmental movement in those days. The only reason I went in was that personal connection, and I became involved and helped start the Abalone Alliance, which was a statewide and a uh, group of anti nukers across the whole state of California. And we formed So No More Atomics up here. It's spelled out Sonoma, if you capitalize the right letters. And so. Um, While we were doing this, I was hearing about Bohemian Grove because I live five miles away from it, so I, I was obviously hearing about it, and one of the things that has cursed me for my entire activist career is that, There's so much single-issue politics where somebody who's very involved in Central America doesn't know anything about the anti-nuke movement, and they know nothing about women's issues. They know nothing about racism, sexism, classes, and all of the various issues that we spend our time on. And it occurred to me and a few others that um, we could really use this not only to expose who these men are, but to make the connections that all of our issues are connected. And let me repeat it. All of our issues are connected. We need to, even if we focus on a single issue, we need in our analysis to understand how connected all of it is. And we were able to make that point from the beginning, starting in 1980, uh, about uh, by doing research, we did research uh, the first on the anti Nuke movement, and so we were ready by 1980. We had that ready to go about who was making the profits off of both nuclear weapons and power, and that was the kind of the early days of the nuclear power thing. Wow. Um, I, I mean, I could go on and on, no, but I, you,
2: I know. I mean, what, what's so interesting? What's so interesting? And that's very important to, for people to understand that. There's a problem with single issues because you get hung up and you forget there's so many things that are happening exactly. around you that are creating it. And then all of a sudden, when nothing changes, is because you haven't looked at the whole picture. So I think that's a very, very important point. Well... What were some of the main challenges that when you were doing Bohemian in your story, what are some, let's always talk about, what are some, what you feel is the kernel on the Bohemian issue?
4: Well, I don't know that I would call this a challenge, but I would say some of the big successes of the Bohemian Grove Action Network. Is that fact that Mary, as she calls herself, a media slut, which means that? <laughs> okay, Mary.
3: Okay, Lo, no, she had to go there. It's okay. No, no,
4: but she's not a slut. Of course, I'm she's not. I'm a media slut. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, we'll, all we'll, three we'll, of us are. All so. three of us. Come on, we're all in media. <laughs> yeah, but Mary knows how to reach out to media, and that, and the way she does that is by finding the media who really. Respond to her and 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 becoming friends with them, becoming uh, making connections with them. Uh, tell
3: tell them who one of my best friends is.
4: Oh, Chris Chris Welsh at KPFA is one of Mary's very closest friends, and I had and and Mary one of my interviews. I Chris Smith who used to write for the yeah. Press Democrat is a dear man. I had no idea until I had this int- phone interview with him uh, talking about Mary at any rate, so one of, I think the big success is they got Mother Jones out there. And yes. Mary can tell you some of the other papers. They Oh, Spy Magazine came out there. Yeah. It became, as, um, as Philip Weiss said, m- Mary became a little famous. And Bohemian Grove became a little famous. And it became a national issue. And I think that was... Which it should be. Yes, yeah. which it should be. And I think that's because... Mary was really good at reaching out to the media and bringing them in.
2: Well, also, and that's very, that's a very important point. So, you know, we're we're, you know, the clock is starting to run. <laughs> and the one of the most important things, one of the most important questions I want to ask you Mary is, what message you have for young women listening? Many are not aware of their history. What advice would you give them? And what is important in your mind about speaking out? And I want to say one last thing. You better get that book out quickly because I am so curious. I want to be able to okay, read it. Okay, I, I understand that. I truly,
4: I get that. I mean, no more right. fooling around.
3: Lois is doing all of the writing. I have to give her credit. And we couldn't, neither of us could have done it without the archives.
2: No, I know. I mean, it's, it's it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. And I'm so happy to have you on to be talking about this, to have this historical, to me, this is history. This is history for our county. So talk about What message do you have for young women listening? Yeah,
3: well, the main thing I would say is one of the things that I've already put out there, but I'll say it again. I have made a poster at my own expense with the help of Tom Yates, who is a local artist um, out in Jenner, um, with the picture. And it says, End Racism, Sexism, and Classism. And at the bottom it says, Fight Them Together. And it's just that simple. We, if you are working um, to improve the lot of women, you take the time to learn about racism and classism. Is both is important in both of those movements, the race, anti-racism and the anti-sexism uh, movements. Class issues are are key, and and fight them together. Put that analysis in your head. And the other thing that is new, and this will probably even surprise Lois, is I have been, this last year, I have a whole new binder. I have over 700 binders, by the way, and they're going to the Bancroft Library, so there, there is a reason I'm doing it. But it's called Saving Democracy, and that's an issue that's going on right before our eyes. A lot of people are writing it. I just started a new binder to get these things together. The first question for the USA is, and, and it came about, a lot of this came about because Biden had his uh, democracy summit just last week. But the first question is, is the U.S. really a democracy? And and a lot of people are dealing with that and writing about it. So I would say to young people, follow that story very closely because that takes in all of it. And certainly January 6th riot uh, uh, this past year Is a good example of that, but it's not the only one. And so start putting that fresh in your mind because and take seriously the question of do we really have a democracy? Trump helped us in his own way to at least raise the question.
2: He's, the One thing he did is he raised a lot of questions. I yep. think that we really that we really have to look at. Well, I want to give Lois a chance. If there's a young woman out there, Lois, you know, maybe wants to write a biography, or maybe wants to get involved oh. in something. Well, what would you? What kind of <laughs> what, what, what kind of advice would you give her? Well,
4: you know, I, I think the reason that Mary and I are working so successfully on this book is that I totally agree with her. You may focus on one issue because nobody can focus on all the issues. But you have to understand that they're all connected, yep. and and I also want to put in a little plug here. I know Mary and I had this had a disagreement at some point, but now she sees the light here. Um, I think, in my opinion, art is also an act. An activist, an act of activism. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a theater artist. Sometimes I do very political theater. Sometimes I sing Christmas songs. You know, but it's all an it's all a kind of activism because it reaches people's hearts. It reaches people's minds. And so, if you're an artist, I'd say go for it. Just keep in mind that there's a world out there, and it it. It it, it it your art needs to encompass that world
2: well you know one of the things that i think one of the main issues i think is that people don't people don't know enough they don't study enough. They don't look at history. They don't look at the past. They don't look at how the past is influencing the present and how the present is going to create the future. So Mary, we are coming to the end of this wonderful wonderful interview and I'd like to give you any last words that you have, anything that you well, would like to say. And I know we we,
3: we left out a, a lot of different issues. That's the only thing I would say if we could ever get a second chance. I'd like to go more into <laughs> all the various issues because there have been so many and and as you have gathered i'm not a single issue kind of person so
2: so what i what what i invite you to do is you send me a list that you want to talk about and i will be more than happy to arrange another time because i think i think it's very important and another thing I, i need to say to you i never realized how articulate you were how oh. well, how well you speak and how well you present things and I want to thank you for that. I think it's really well, amazing. Thank you. Do you have a website or anything, Lois, anything, any way you can get in touch with people? Are you doing a call? Anybody that knows Mary could get in touch with you that if you want any of their oh. stories?
4: I can, give, I can give people my email address. I haven't set up a website okay, for this and my email address is Lois, L-O-I-S the number 5 at sonic.net. If somebody wants to talk to me about Mary I am all ears but also, well and I would like
3: to say that's interesting because my email is the word justice in small letters J-U-S-T-I-C-E three at (laughs) sonic.net
2: well good and and remind my my listeners everything will be listed on www.womensbases.com well from the bottom of my heart I want to thank both of you for being on Women's Bases well thank you for having us oh no it's been wonderful you know with our little glitches and everything else it really doesn't (laughs) matter and I want to thank you Mary and we will be in touch and I really encourage you I mean I'm really excited about hearing about about this and in my mind because I believe our history is our Strength. It's very important to hear stories. I know I myself am writing my memoirs. Anyway, good for you. Elaine, can I ask
3: one favor of you? Could you send me a link to this program? Because several people wanted to listen, but they couldn't.
2: Definitely, definitely. Well, folks, that's it for our show. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. A special thank you to Mary Moore and uh, Lois Perlman, both activists, for being on the show. They did a great, great show, and I want to thank everybody out there for listening.
1: She's patient and she's waiting and she'll take you home now.
0: The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, December 13, 2021.